Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a stillness in the air on the top of the mountain. In that usually secluded place, we find an old man and the son that he loves. The old man carefully picks up stones one by one, placing them into a a structure, a makeshift platform in this usually secluded place. His son stands nearby with a pile of wood in his arms that they've been carrying with them for three days. The father takes the wood and carefully places it on top of the stones. Strange, right? A makeshift altar in a place where no one is? This is strange. But what happens next takes a turn for the bizarre. The the man takes that son that he loves and he ties him up. He places him on top of the wood. He knows what he has to do next. He takes a knife in his hand and stretches his hand up toward the sky, heart racing and pounding, thoughts going quickly, seconds feeling like minutes. What's on his mind? As we see the story of Abraham on top of this mountain, we get so many details as to what this day looked like, but we don't get to know what he's thinking right in that moment. But you can put yourself in Abraham's shoes, can't you? What would you be thinking? What a life it's been for Abraham. A man that we often call the father of faith. And throughout his life, we've seen many great moments of faith. Like from the beginning, when God called him to leave his land and his family and to go to a place that God would show to him bound to be a wanderer, to have no permanent home. Already old, he and his wife Sarah followed that command of God because they trusted. They had a promise from God that God would give them land, that he would bless their family and make them great. But there was a problem. Abraham didn't have a family. He didn't even have a son. He was old. His wife was barren. None of this seemed to make any sense. But they still had that promise of God. So they waited and waited and waited some 25 years until finally God gave them that son, that boy, Isaac. For Abraham, it was as if all the pieces were coming together, like he could finally see this puzzle, how God was fulfilling his promise to him. But what God asked for next doesn't seem good. God spoke to Abraham and asked for the boy back. God said to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. The words of God's command narrow in on just how difficult this would be for Abraham. Abraham 
take that boy, the one that you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for, your only son, the one that you love, that boy, Isaac. Give him back to me. And now we find Abraham on the top of the mountain, knife in the air, thoughts racing. Are your thoughts racing with me, thinking, God, why would you ask this of this man? What are you thinking? Now, I'm assuming none of you have been asked by God to do something as life-changing as what Abraham was called on to do here. But do not be mistaken. You have had and will have mountaintop moments like Abraham had here. Moments of trial and difficulty in your life. Maybe you can even look back on moments of hardship in your life that looked like Abraham, that read like a story, step by step, day by day, walking towards the hardest trial of your life. Like when you visited the doctor and got difficult medical news. Weeks later, your health started to decline, and you saw how it affected your happiness and your family life. Or if you've had a battle with mental struggles, things like anxiety or depression, you can look back on a season of your life that was darker than any other. But maybe you can't. Maybe you faced that moment, but you didn't recognize how God was working there. For Abraham, you and I get the details from the very beginning that God is working through these events as a test, a trial. But Abraham, he doesn't know this. In the same way, you and I might not recognize this. And whether we know it or not that God is working through these trials, can't we still be tempted to echo that call that we thought on the top of the mountain? God, why are you doing this? Because don't you want to understand the what and the why behind moments of trial? Thinking that knowing these things will help you through? But I have to question, would knowing these things actually help? Because so often when you face this moment of trial, what you want is to get out of the situation. Or better yet, to control it. The difficult thing is that it isn't in our control. It wasn't for Abraham. And if it was for us, wouldn't we choose something else? Not that job, not that family member, not your health? There, though. Do you see it? That maybe the reason you would want to choose something else is because that thing that God has taken away has become an idol for you. Something that you want to place as first in your heart and put God below. And once that thing is gone, you can still be tempted to say, God, what are you thinking here? Because in this moment of trial or test or difficulty, we can be tempted to believe several lies. First, that God doesn't know what he's doing. That we know better than the Almighty and that we should be the ones in control of our own lives. That God doesn't understand our pain. 
and one more lie more dangerous than the others. That God is nothing but unkind and unloving. We know how this mountaintop moment ends up resolving for Abraham. He gets his son back. He doesn't have to kill the boy. God provides a ram in place of Isaac, just as Abraham said it would happen. Boom. That moment is over. The trial is done. A son, a father, happily back together. But you recognize that our earthly trials don't always follow this same format. I can't stand here and promise that God will give you your job back or your health. But this mountaintop moment is more than just a moment of a father and a son being reunited. Here, God wants us to see something bigger in this moment and in the midst of our pain too. First, a picture, then a promise. The picture here isn't just Abraham getting back Isaac. This whole trial, this moment on Mount Moriah, makes us think of another mountain. Actually, the very same mountain where we find Abraham and Isaac thousands of years later. There we don't see an altar, but we do see a sacrifice. There we don't see wood for a burnt offering, but we do see a cross of wood. There again we see a beloved son of a father. There the thoughts aren't racing, God, what are you thinking here? But we hear the words of the sacrifice himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There you see trial, pain, and hardship greater than any of the things that we can experience in this life. And once again, God provided a life in place of a life. Not a ram in place of the life of Isaac, but the life of Jesus in place of your life. As we watch the trial of Abraham unfold, we can't help but see the picture of how our God saves us from sin. And as your trial, test, or difficulty reflects that moment for for Abraham, do you see God there for you too? There in the bigger picture. That as you walk through pain, you have a Savior who not only understands your pain, but went through pain and suffering for you too. But this is more than just a way to reframe the way that we face hardships and think about them. This isn't a power of positive thinking whitewashed with Christianity. No, this is something sure. Because all of this rests on a promise. The same promise spoken to Abraham by the angel of the Lord on the mountain that day. The angel of the Lord spoke to Abraham saying, I swear by myself, proclaiming a promise by the greatest name, the name above all names, a promise that could not be broken, reaching a crescendo, greater than receiving back his son, as the angel said, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. This offspring of Abraham, Jesus, has come. 
You are blessed through this promise and every promise of our God. This is what your God provides for you. A promise fulfilled in his Son. Assurance that no matter what hardship you face, your salvation is secured in Jesus. When I think of a life filled with trials and hardship, I often think of a close Christian friend named Sheila. Sheila was a hard-working woman. She was lively. She spent her time raising her children and showing love to them for many years. Once they were out of the house, she decided to pursue her lifelong dream of becoming a nurse. So she went back to school at age 60. She was the oldest graduate of her class and worked well into her 70s following that dream. But when I met Sheila, she had been forced to retire. That's because Sheila, who had been five foot ten, was about five feet tall when I met her. Years of work on her feet had led to spinal problems. That led to breathing problems and other health problems, and she was forced to slow down. I remember her describing just how painful it was to breathe, to walk. Yet there was something strange about Sheila. There was something strange about her attitude toward her suffering. There's something strange about Abraham here, too. Did you notice what's going on? Put yourself in Abraham's shoes again, called by God to do an impossible task, to give up your only son. But Abraham doesn't grumble, complain, or question. Instead, the very next day, he gets up and prepares to go. And along the way to Mount Moriah, we get to see exactly what he thinks of this moment. He doesn't see it as a test or God tempting him. Instead, he sees this as a moment of worship. See it in his words as he speaks to those servants. He says to them, we will worship and then we will come back to you. He sees this as a place where he can trust in the promises of God. They're trusting in God as he goes to sacrifice his son. Saying something else amazing. We, Isaac and I, will return to you. Even though it seemed impossible, he knew the promise of God that he would bless Abraham's family through this boy Isaac. And though it made no sense, he trusted in this promise. This was Abraham's act of worship. Or when he says to Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb in a moment where he could run, hide, or doubt. He trusted and showed that trust to his son, too. For Sheila, a woman who was a self-described lifelong Martha, constantly working, her life suddenly took a turn when her health declined. For her, the act of worship was digging into God's word in daily devotion and prayer. And although her health was declining, and she was in so much pain. She was still a light for the gospel, encouraging other Christians in the midst of their hardships too, trusting in God 
and pointing others to a God that they trust in too. Is this where you find yourself? On the top of a mountain with Abraham, facing one of the hardest trials or tests in your life? In that moment, God is worshipped as you worship your God too, trusting in his promises. And whether you are in the midst of trial or not, you know that you have a God that you can rely upon. Well, we might want to know the why behind the earthly circumstances. To see how it all fits together, we may not on this side of heaven. But do not despair. God is still in control and working through these difficult events. He has promised you salvation and given you a trustworthy promise that cannot be broken. This is your act of worship in the midst of trial, where you see in Christ what God has already provided for you. Amen.